Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today we are talking with Nate Tooley, founder of Have a Mug. Nate, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, great. Thanks to be here. Yeah, really excited to talk about this truly advanced self-heating smart mug. So we have a lot of smart products on our show and that launch on crowdfunding and Kickstarter. Some of them don't necessarily need to be made smart. But I think a product like this that you've innovated to, you know, keep the drink at your desired temperature for, you know, multiple hours is truly inspirational and I think resonates with a lot of the audience that's out there. So let's hear a little bit about your backstory, Nate. What inspired you to create Have a Mug and, you know, what's what's brought you to this point? Yeah, for sure. Thanks. So, I mean, I, I've always loved coffee and tea and, uh, you know, even even more than that, the the ability for a good beverage to be kind of a social catalyst to to an interaction with someone else, you know, you you gather around that that beverage as a way of touching base with an old friend or catching up or talking business, you know. And what I noticed is that the fundamental elements there are kind of interrupted sometimes when your coffee's getting cold, you find you're kind of rushing through it, or in one way or another, it's not right and it interrupts what you're trying to do. And so. So really what we wanted to try to accomplish was look at the state of technology and see if there's a way that we can sort of break down those barriers and let the let the mug get out of the way and let the let the conversation and the social interaction kind of take precedence. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we were kind of watching the maturity of technology, you know, lithium battery technology and, and the size of microcontrollers and thought, you know what, I think we're at a spot now where that's mature enough to, to kind of package that up together and, and start going after some of these problem uh, problem areas. So let's talk about the the innovation itself. I mean, how did you go about beginning the, you know, the design features or just the overall functionality of the product itself? What's what's the starting point there? Yeah, you know, so it started it started real uh, real grassroots, real agile. I, I literally went out to stores and bought up a ton of double wall and single wall ceramic mugs, and then uh, I started cracking them open and um, dropping thermometers down in there and kind of getting a, a baseline understanding of sort of the thermal properties involved with with plastic and metal and ceramic and then single and double walled, and then kind of took that and, and then brought that forward into more robust testing, kind of looking at looking at the the heat distribution and looking at the heat loss based on, you know, kind of combination of materials and surface area to start backing into, you know, sort of what amount of, of technological interaction we would need, right? Like how much stored energy we would need, how much of a, of a, of a heating coil or battery capacity we would need. And, um, you know, really, really came up with, you know, sort of the, the baseline there. And then we stepped back and we, we started to look at, you know, so if we were to if we were to package this up in a way that 
you know, we can physically fit this inside a, a product and, um, you know, get the battery life and the heating temperature up to a level that's that's really conducive to a good experience. Then we looked at what's the right way to interact with that, you know, and the the easy solution, the easy button, um, and it seems it seems uh, some competitors take as well is, you know, just connect it to Bluetooth and then make the app and make the phone do everything. And, you know, we really wanted to hold away from that because if I'm sitting down having a conversation with someone, the last thing I want to do is whip out my phone because I'm trying to interact with my my coffee, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't use my phone to drink a cup of tea or coffee right now. And so why why should I have to in the future? And so we, you know, we started looking at some creative solutions on how embedded right in the mug we could actually interact with the temperature. And um, that's where we, we brought on a team of, uh, of engineers and really started digging into how we can bring in that technology and came up with a, a, a swipe sensor that we're actually able to embed in the side of the mug, kind of between the two cores. And, um, and then what that allows us to do is then you can, you can literally just swipe on the side of the mug and you could either swipe right or swipe left, you know, which is a pretty intuitive gesture to then tell the mug, hey, I want it hotter, I want it colder, and then really just let the let the mug take over from there in terms of acknowledging that response and, and, and kind of learning from each of those gestures to then develop sort of this program temperature and, and really build out kind of a, a, a customized temperature preference for each user. Sounds like the, the Tinder for mugs. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Our, one of our one of our fu- jokes is that you know you you swipe right to to heat things up and swipe left to cool it off and uh, yeah you know in this day and age I think that's a pretty intuitive gesture. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah, especially with just the way COVID is and you got Bumble recently going public, so definitely uh, love is in the air with Valentine's Day just uh, past us now. <laughs> that's um, true. But in terms of challenges, you know, many first time founders that we interview and entrepreneurs that we talk to have hiccups along the way, right? You know, learnings, if you will, not failures, but learnings. Um, So what were some of those in terms of the engineering or working with factories or setting up those relationships that you've had along the way to be able to get the product ready to go? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There were, there were a lot. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, learnings along the way. And, you know, a big one is that taking energy and storing it in a battery and then converting that to heat is probably one of the most inefficient things you can do with electrical power. You know, I mean, that's that's inherently against efficiency. That's inherently against kind of an effective use of that stored energy. And so from the beginning, one of our biggest challenges was how to essentially power a small toaster using a cell phone battery, right? I mean, that's kind of in the, the realm of power that we're looking at in a product like this. And you know, and so that was that was a very big challenge. We actually one of our engineers um, is a brilliant, brilliant electrical engineer, and um, he's got his master's in in um, battery optimization and, and stored energy. And it really did take that level of of power management to be able to generate the kind of heat that we need from such a small battery that that you can comfortably hold it in your hand, that it's not getting in the way of actually drinking. Right? We don't want this great big you know, product that's not conducive to having an enjoyable experience. And so, you know, fundamentally, that was that was our biggest challenge. And then on top of that, you know, anytime you bring technology into your hands, into an experience where you're interacting with something like coffee or tea, it's very important, but it's also very challenging that that technology does not take center stage. 
you know, what, what needs to take center stage is, is the beverage. It's the, it's the experience, right? And, and that took a lot of careful decisions on design materials, the shape of the product. You know, we, we specifically made the ceramic core shaped such that when you put it up against your mouth, it's, it's very comfortable against your mouth. Um, the outside is very comfortable to hold. It's the kind of product you want to just hold in your hands and cozy up with. And, you know, so those, those design elements were a lot of times in opposition to the technology. You know, the technology wanted us to drive towards a metal body and a plastic design and, you know, things that would have made it easier for that. And so it was, it was, it was kind of an uphill battle taking, taking some very advanced technology and, and bottling up into the thing in a, in a, in a package where the, the coffee or tea and the consumption experience took center stage and, and really the technology had to be advanced enough to follow suit. And so that was, that, those were, I'd say probably the two, uh, two biggest challenges we had. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So you've been doing quite a bit of prep work, you know, in terms of marketing and pre-campaign work before the launch of, uh, you know, the, the product itself going live publicly. Talk a little bit to our audience about some of that prep work that you've been doing over, you know, the, the months, years, et cetera, in terms of getting this product in a position to truly understand who that consumer is and how to be able to reach them with this product innovation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the very first things we did is started to go around and look at temperature preference, you know, because right now it's one of those things where we we prefer a temperature. We, you know, we, we have a preference for, for hotter or colder individually. And there was a lot of exploration that needed to go into that because one person may may enjoy one temperature, someone else may enjoy a different temperature. And um, so there was a lot of exploration that had to go into that. And we, we wanted to get early prototypes into the hands of beta users as soon as possible and start learning that. And um, we, we saw that there's actually a pretty large range of, of what temperature people notice. The other thing we learned was that our palate is actually very sensitive to temperature. We can sense hot and cold within just a couple of degrees, you know, and so now you look at the level of precision that we notice that, you know, something goes from being too hot to just right to too cold really quickly. And, and in our experience, we saw that actually without, without technology involved, it's about eight minutes in a ceramic mug. And, and that's just, that kind of goes to our preference for something specific as well as our perception of nuanced changes. And, um, you know, so that was, that was kind of a lot of the, the early learning. And then after that, we wanted to start uh, putting together marketing materials and really getting this out there and, and getting a gauge for, you know, this is one of those problem spaces that a lot of us experience. This is, I think, as of last year, about a $40 billion industry just in the U.S. alone, a, a tremendous amount of users. But we don't necessarily realize the limitations that we have until we realize the limitations we have, you know? And so when you're in a ceramic mug, you have about eight minutes from the time it, it starts off too hot, passes through your ideal range and gets too cold. And then if you put a lid on that to try to enhance that or lengthen that rather, then you block the aroma. And aroma is responsible for about 80 to 90% of our perception of nuanced flavors, you know? And so these are these are the limitations that we are, we're currently experiencing when we're, we're, we're sort of growing accustomed to. And our initial couple rounds of, uh, of marketing were, were really targeted at understanding the points of pain and, and getting some feedback on, you know, who else, who else is with us on this, you know, and, and who else likes it hot? Who else is really tired of going to the microwave to heat up their coffee? 
And, um, you know, so we went through kind of an early phase of, of putting content out there and getting feedback really on kind of a consumer learning and consumer education side. Then we pulled that back and we, we really processed everything that we were gathering to then put together sort of our end to end solution now on, we, you know, we've got a good pulse on, on the points of pain and what's going on. And now let's, let's go after that. Let's fix that kind of once and for all. Sounds like a Goldilocks issue. <laughs> a little bit. Like it hot, some like it cold. That's interesting though, in terms of the data and the science behind it. But yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of not only the uh, the temperature of things, but certainly that aroma, that that other sense in terms of the experience with the product itself and how critical that can be into the overall uh, experience and quality that you have with that product going into you. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been working with us at Inventus Partners for a while now. What were some of those considerations when you were choosing an agency to partner with? Yeah, you know, so the 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 very first and foremost was was we actually kind of took a step back first and and thought what's the right way to bring a product like this into the market? You know, nowadays we've got we've got a lot of different options available. Whether you go kind of a conventional route, or you go more of a crowdfunding route, and for a number of reasons we you know we honed in on crowdfunding being the most appropriate solution. And so then the next the next kind of milestone or, or metric that we were then looking for is experience with crowdfunding. You know, we needed to partner with someone that that had experience with that, that was familiar with working with products like this. And, um, you know, not to not to name bad names, we we actually made the call wrong earlier in the year. And, um, you know, we went through several months of, of working with a different team and it became very clear that they they weren't understanding the product. They weren't quite resonating with with what we we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, despite having experience really getting into that. And so, when we pulled that back, we, were, we really wanted to make sure that whoever we partnered with understood the product, understood the, the solution space, and, and, and again, would kind of leverage some of their experience going into that. And what we noticed with Aventus is that right off the bat, you know, we would see the very first materials coming through and, and the team got it. It resonated right away. And, you know, and so now, now we can move forward as kind of a conducive team instead of our team working with the other team. You know, we, we were all on this on the same on the same foot right out the door. And then on top of that, we were looking for critical feedback coming back to us, too. You know, we, we definitely wanted a team that would that would challenge some of the decisions we were making and, and really help us mature this into a, a, a solution that's ready to be public facing. And, um, you know, I couldn't be couldn't be happier so far. We've we've had a really good experience with Aventus. That's no, great to hear, Nate. Appreciate that. And, you know, I know the team's super soaked on uh, getting this product out there and warming up the hands of people all around the world. So, uh, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, if there's a, a nugget or two that you want to bestow to our audience in terms of some of those learnings or things that you've learned through the whole process, whether it be a development of the product or pre-campaign testing and, you know, validation before launch. Yeah, you know, I, I would say the the biggest nugget I would have is, when you when you approach something from a place of validated learning, you can really break it down in a way that you'll actually make a lot of forward progress. And, and by that, I mean we we wanted to prototype and 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 really fail quickly and a lot. You know, and, and the first summer when we started prototyping, we would we would go through prototype rounds where thousands of dollars would go into each of these prototype mugs. We'd get them onto the test stand, and they would do exactly what we needed them to do. But we were also done with them and moving on within about an hour, you know, so we would, we would burn through that really fast and then pivot off of that and, and keep going. And from the beginning, we, we structured it based on 
really a series of hypotheses on on you know if we if we if we look at the mug as it stands now, it's the combination of of hundreds of assumptions and hundreds of hypotheses that we needed to validate. And and instead of approaching the end picture first, you know, take that and really break it down into what can we validate first, you know, and then and then once we've validated that, we persevere or pivot based on those fundamental assumptions and then kind of move on. And um, that that really helped kind of take the take the end to end and, and break it down into a, a you know more sizable chunks that then we could we could start making forward progress on. That's been great, man. Well, Nate, this is going to get us into our launch round. We're going to rapid fire some hot questions at you. Are you good to go? All right, sounds good. So, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, you know, I would say it 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 really comes down to creating value. You know, I've I've always loved sort of taking something at play and, and kind of breaking it down into its fundamental elements, whether that's physics or business or, or, or science, and then looking at ways where you could, you could then build that up in a, in a new way that creates value. And, um, you know, I, I previously, I've, I've, I was active duty with the Air Force for a number of years and, and worked on a lot of very large procurement projects um, or programs. And, and I loved, I loved the, the challenge there. But what drove me to entrepreneurship is just how closely connected you can be from this problem space to solution space transformation and and how intimately involved you can be in, in this value creation. You know, so it it, uh, it really resonated with just kind of fundamentally how I how I approach things. Nice. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a coffee with? Uh, yeah, you know. I would uh, I would want to meet with Jeff Bezos right now, um, and and the big reason is a couple of years ago uh, here in LA at the Space and Missiles System Center, he came and um, spoke with a number of us, and I didn't get a chance to meet him personally up close, but just uh, just in the room with the group of us, and he he talked at length about his his one way door and two way door kind of concept and and how a great idea could still fail with lack of commitment. And so there's sort of this disagree, but commit and, and also acknowledge each time, are you walking through a one-way door or a two-way door? And, you know, that, that has been such a significant piece of insight that I've carried with me that I would love to put a half a mug in his hands and have a conversation with him and talk about that a little bit more and, um, and get his thoughts on how, how that kind of resonates with some of the, you know, some of the lean startup methodologies or some of the agile methodologies and just have his thoughts on, on some of the application of, of that. Nice. What, uh, what's your favorite cup of coffee? I, uh, I, I love a good pour over cup of coffee. I would say my favorite is actually an Ethiopian light roast. It's got uh, a really beautiful flavor profile. It's got kind of a natural sweetness, natural blueberry to it. And um, when you prepare that kind of ground fresh and then in sort of a pour over, it really shows the breadth of flavor that can come out of a, of a coffee bean. And uh, I, I love it. Impressive. Um, any book you would recommend to our startup founders and entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, um, I, I, read, I read a lot of books. I would say the two, though, that, well, it's one and then it's kind of a follow on is the, the Lean Startup by Eric Reese and then and then he followed that with the startup way. That one I've read a number of times now and it's really it's put some things on my mind almost daily 
you know, kind of with this build, measure, learn methodology, um, you know, kind of this validated learning and, and sort of getting to these persevere pivot moments as quickly as you can. You know, I think whether you're on a, on a small project or, or working a very large program or, or a large effort, you know, e- either way, you can break something down and, and build and then learn and then and then make corrections quickly, you know, and and. If you're out, if you're out hiking in the woods, right, it's really obvious if I want to get from point A to point B, I'm not just going to look down at my feet and stare at my feet and walk. You're going to look up, right? You're going to look for references. You're going to look for milestones and, and kind of make sure you're on the right path. It's very intuitive there, but not necessarily as intuitive in business. And um, it's great the way he breaks that down and kind of shows how that can apply both in small startups with the lean startup and then the startup way, how that can expand into uh, very large efforts. Absolutely. Definitely a solid must read for any of the audience out there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, and I know that the campaign hadn't launched yet, but I know you've got quite a bit of experience from the from the sidelines, but interested to hear your take in terms of what does the future of crowdfunding look like to you? Yeah, you know, crowdfunding is interesting. I, if you if you look at the roots, it actually I think it goes back to kind of the music industry. And what's interesting about that is that you know, the music industry is is particularly challenging because you can look at a record and you can think, hey, we've got we've got something great on our hands. But until you actually get that in front of a live audience or, not, or a recorded audience or an audience of some sort, you just don't know for sure, you know, and sort of their subjectivity to this creative side of things. And that's true with art and design and, and a lot of these more niche markets. And, and with that, if you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, you know, that's kind of where you get into thin slicing. And, and very, very quick analysis of if something's good or bad, you know. And what I love about Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general with Indiegogo and, and other platforms is that it, it allows you to thin slice. It allows you to get right down into your target environment and, and, and really interact very closely with your, with your customers. There is a community there. And um, it, it's great for, for products that, that really want a little bit closer connection to that. And you know, and the future of that, I, I think the the projections are by 2025. I think it's projected around a, a total total revenue of about 300 billion dollars. The last I saw, I mean, it's growing for sure. It, there's it's not slowing down at all, and I imagine that'll that'll expand really heavily into nonprofits and real estate and events and niche markets. And again, any of these times where you kind of want to decentralize e-commerce and get down into these platforms where you can thin slice something and get really closely involved with your with your uh, consumer community. Absolutely. Well, Nate, this has been really thoughtful and, and real pleasure having you on the show. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where they should go and why they should check you out. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, check us out on uh, havamug.com. And uh, I'd, like, I'd actually like to leave everyone with, uh, with an observation. Next time you're, you're having a cup of coffee or tea, Pay attention to some of the compromises that you you currently have in order to enjoy that beverage, whether that's a shorter consumption time, eight minutes on average in a, in a normal mug, or the loss of aroma, 80 to 90% of that for, for nuanced flavors by putting a lid on that, or just the inconvenience of, of, of travel mugs or apps and you know trips to the microwave. And and when you when you do that, think of think of Hava Mug. We can we can make that all go away um, and really let the technology uh, take over and um, and be completely inconducive um, conducive of the the drinking experience and the social interaction you have um, and uh, check us out on Kickstarter coming soon next week. 
Awesome. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign once it goes live, and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Nate, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.